Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. You know, I started this podcast almost four years ago, and the original intent was somebody told me that if you ever feel like you're in a rut, one of the best things you can do is go out and interview 50 people who are successful. So I got this idea that I was going to go and interview 50 successful entrepreneurs, and it to just treat it like my own personal college course for me, but I would broadcast it out there. And after I did 50, I figured... I'd be a little smarter, I might be out of a rut, I'd be inspired. And all that was very true, but what came along was a whole bunch of people who actually liked listening to this podcast, and I figured, why stop now? I never dreamed I would do almost 400 episodes, I never had any idea I would be doing this four years later, and yet, here we are, and I couldn't do it, I say it every show, if it wasn't for those of you who tuned in and listened. So whether this is the first show you've ever listened to of cool things entrepreneurs do, Heck, maybe this is the first podcast you've ever listened to. I want to welcome you here to our little family, and hopefully you will walk away with a little inspiration. But if you've been listening all along the way, and I know there are actually a few people who've listened to every single episode, God love you, because I'm sure that like you must wake up in the middle of the night with my voice ringing in your ears in a negative way. But if you've been here all along, thank you so much. And the best thing is, is the people who've been listening for a while— I know that you tell your friends because I ask people who tell me that they're listening to my podcast, how did you ever find it? And the number one way people find a podcast is someone they know tells them about it. So please, if you like the show, go tell your friends, talk about it on social media. Heck, go over to iTunes and leave a review. It just makes my day better when there's new reviews about the show. So today's show, we're going to go a little, a little micro about the speaking business. Now, those of you who listen regularly know I make my living as a professional speaker and master of ceremonies. I have given over, gosh, I calculated it up the other day. It's closing in on 800 speeches that I have done in my career. Now, some of those are rotary clubs and, and young men's business leagues, sort of free local things. And then some of them are large four or 5,000 person organizations where I'm either the master of ceremonies or the, uh, or the keynote speaker and everything in between. And it has been an absolutely thrilling ride. I'm coming up on 10 years that I've been doing this as my full-time job. I did it part-time for a long time before that. And I wanted to talk to somebody today who is an expert in what you need to know as a speaker. And Shauna Suko, pronounced like Zuko from uh, 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 Greece, we were joking about it before we came on that Nobody under 40 has any idea what who Danny Zuko was, but whatever. So Shauna Suko is a recovering meeting planner. She spent over 20 years as a high-end planner in the meetings business, and she made a transition to become a speaker just a couple of years ago, and she is crushing it. Plus, she has released a new book called Frankly Speaking, Insider Advice most meeting planners won't share with speakers. And if you're thinking, huh, I kind of would like to get paid to speak, you have to start with this book. If you're already in the speaking world and you're thinking, meeting planners are really hard to understand. I don't know what they want. They're, it's as if they're from Mars. 
you have to read this book. And she wrote it along with a couple of friends of hers who are also very successful planners, uh, Marilyn Adams, Bonnie Sepkowski, uh, and Tracy Smith. And together, they've just released this book just days ago. In fact, I have a copy in my hand. Shauna hasn't even received hers yet. So Shauna, welcome back, because you were actually on episode 252 almost a year and a half ago. Welcome Welcome back to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I'm honored, Tom. Thank you for having me back. That might be the longest introduction I've ever done. It's, you know, I'm, I'm most impressed that I have a seat at the cool kids table. Yeah, wow. I, don't know, I don't know if I was saying that back at episode 252, but somebody said that to me once. Well, a listener wrote me a note and said they loved cool things entrepreneurs do. They never had got a seat at the cool kids table before. And I thought, oh, we're going to say that. We're going to we're going to make that our mantra. Well, I feel I feel cooler. <laughs> He's right. So. Let's start off with the fact that you are a 20-year planner. You were very successful. You're very well-known in, in the world of meeting, meeting organizers. Uh, what caused you to decide, bye-bye meeting planning, hello speaking? Well, there was this little thing called the recession. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and all of my clients were commercial real estate. And uh, they didn't really hold meetings for about three years. And while that was declining, uh, I had founded this association, which was on the upswing, very rapidly growing. And uh, I never wanted to be a speaker. Oh, my gosh. I was, I was one of those people that would rather swallow glass. Seriously, I, I, I was terrified by it. But as this association grew different chapters would ask me to come and help them launch and I would have to go speak. And I was terrified and I was awful. And I read a script from the front of the room with my hands shaking and I never made eye contact and all the things that you do when you hate it. So let's talk about the association that you founded because it's thriving and and growing still to this day. So let's, let's start there. What is the association and what's it all about? It is called SPIN, the Senior Planners Industry Network, and it is for meeting planners with 10 years of experience or more. And When you say senior, you don't mean like old people. Well, we tend to be, you know, on the other side of, of uh, Greece, of understanding <laughs> what Greece references mean. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, everybody at SPIN would understand the Danny Zuko reference. Yes, yes, they would. Uh, but no, we mean senior level, meaning you've had, you spent at least 10 years in the industry. You know what you're doing. We're not having one-on-one conversations in this association. And so you, you founded this for what purpose? What was, I mean, obviously it wasn't to become a speaker. It, it stuck your foot in the door, no. but, but why did you start, why did you start your own association? There's already like five associations for meeting organizers. You know, I was, it, it was back at, this will really age me. It was back in the day when LinkedIn was new and I was looking <laughs> for, for groups that were, were for, for people like me and there wasn't one. Um, you know, a lot of the other associations, they're all things to all people in the industry, which is great, but there wasn't anything for people just like me. And so I just created a discussion group is really it. And it grew and grew and it took off and, and obviously there was a need. And then you started doing a conference, which this year in uh, November of this year, I actually get to be the closing keynoter at SPIN. So I'm really excited because uh, it is a great organization and I actually get to do part of the MC stuff, but then also uh, close out the conference this year. 
Yes, it will be the second one you've been involved in. You you emceed our virtual conference a couple years ago. Yeah, I was the host of the of the broadcast along with Eli. Yeah, Green. yeah, that was cool. And so, yeah, we're we're lucky to have you. We're looking forward to it. Uh, so yes, there is an annual conference. There are some chapters. Um, there's an online community. But yeah, that's you know, I didn't go into it with the intention of of upending my whole career, but it came along at a great time and it, it shifted everything. And I decided to grab onto that rather than hold on to a sinking ship. So you, you transitioned via this fact that you had to go around and speak as the founder of the organization. When did you get past the shaking hands and the printed script and decide, Hey, I could go and, and, and speak. And by the way, your topic, you don't speak to meeting planners. So you actually shifted entirely. When did you decide to make that huge pivot? Wow. Well, uh, I wrote my first book and the phone started ringing and it was not chapters of my association, but it was people in sales who wanted to understand how to reach meeting planners and how to sell differently. And I think it, it all changed when they said, what's your fee? (laughs) <laughs> so a lot of people who, who listen to this show, uh, you know, they, they either are entrepreneurs or, or they're thinking about being entrepreneurs. And I don't mean speakers. I mean, they're going to start, you know, a consulting firm or maybe they have a product or a service that they're going to market. But many successful entrepreneurs, one of the ways they market their business is through speaking. So they go out and they, they speak for free at the Rotary Club, at the, you know, whatever their association is for their industry. How do you start to get paid to speak? Well, there are, you know, that's a great way to start to get yourself known, especially if you're marketing a business. Speaking is such a good way to do that, provided you're not overtly selling from the stage, which is really kind of ishy and gross. (laughs) Um, I'm going to make a note. We're going to come back to selling from the stage because I agree with you, but keep going. Yeah. (laughs) but starting to get paid, you've got to develop a a niche and you've got to develop a name uh, for yourself. And you've got to have the basics that allow a meeting planner to a find you and B see some sort of video of you speaking so that they take the risk with their budget and their stage and put you on it. So yeah, a conference is a very different beast than like a a monthly uh, club meeting because there's someone, there are a lot of people who've paid to be there. They've got skin in the game. There's a planner who, you know, who always thinks their job's on the line. So they're more, they're pickier uh, than a monthly chapter meeting, although monthly chapter meetings are good. Well, um, so like a monthly association chapter meeting, they oftentimes do just get like local people who are experts in their field to come and speak for free. But when someone's writing you a check, and in some cases these checks can get, you know, pretty lucrative. When someone's writing you a big check, their expectations of the speaker change, don't they? Absolutely. Their expectations change. There's more on the line. Uh, you're expected to perform. You, you know, bottom line, you can't suck. You just can't suck. <laughs> That's what I tell people all the time because a lot of people will call me because as I said, I've been, I've been doing this for over a decade, you know, closing in on 800, what I call professional level speeches. You know, I count the free ones as long as they sought me out to speak. And... <laughs> You know, I mean, if they're seeking you out and you're being sought out over, you know, 700 times, I think there's some legitimacy. And one of the things I tell people is, and I don't mean this to sound cocky, but you got to be good. You know, there comes a point where the meeting planner has to say, this is going to suck less than a lot of people I could hire. Yeah, yeah. And, And the real point when I knew I arrived is somebody wanted me back 
after speaking once, they wanted me to speak again. <laughs> and that's that's something that doesn't actually happen a lot. It happens to me a lot because my, my topic, and then I'm also a master of ceremonies, so yeah. I have a really high repeat rate of going back to conferences because what I do is a little bit unique, but I find that's true with a lot of speakers who you know are, are leadership or sales speakers or whatever. They do get invited back if they're good. So yeah. how do you know you're good? You said you were up there starting, you were shaking, you were nervous. How, how did you know, yeah, I'm getting good? Oh, I was I was so terrible at the beginning, so <laughs> terrible, and it just showed. But you know, you know you're getting good when uh, after you speak, a little line forms, and people uh, want to talk to you, and they want to pick your brain, and they say wonderful things to your face that they don't have to say. <laughs> you know, but they do. That's how you know you've turned a corner <laughs> and you've reached people in the audience. And um, and you also start getting people in the audience saying, hey, uh, could I get your card? I want to refer you to my group or to this group or that group. Then, you know, the corner has been turned. So, Shauna, that is so important. Do you know who Jim Pancero is? Yes. So, so Jim is is member of the Speaker Hall of Fame, which, by the way, people, yes, there is a Speaker Hall of Fame. Is. Uh, Jim is one of the early members going back almost 40 years or 40 plus years of the National Speakers Association. And I met Jim in the bar at my first ever uh, National Speakers Association convention. Wow. It's, now, it's now called Influence. Back then it was called the annual convention and or conference or something. And I met him at the first conference, like my first or second night in the bar. And, and he was a nice guy. He took a liking to me. I was brand spanking new. I'd barely made, you know, two nickels to rub together in the industry. And he asked me, what do you want someone to say to you after your speech? And whether it's the meeting planner or the audience member. And of course, my ego jumped in and I said, I want them to say that was the best speech of the whole conference or the best speech ever. And he looked at me and just blatantly said, no, you don't. And I was like, yeah, I don't think you can get it. I kind of do. I kind of, you know, and, and there's so many of our peers who say, I don't have any ego. I just do it to serve. That's when I know they're lying. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think you, <laughs> I mean, you don't have to be all ego, but I know, I don't think you could get into this business if you didn't have a little bit of, I want to be on stage. And, <laughs> and I told Jim, I'm like, I'm not too proud. I'll admit I want them to really like my speech. And yeah. he goes, yeah, yes. but it's not what you want them to say. And I said, I don't understand. And he said, Tom, we live in a polite society. And I just looked at him like, you're talking to me from Mars. And he goes, imagine for a minute, you've just seen a speaker who was highly mediocre. Not so bad that you got up and left, not offensive in any way, but just when he or she got to the point where they said, in conclusion, you wanted to applaud. <laughs> yep. Now you're at the party afterwards and you're off at the end of the buffet and you reach for a piece of shrimp and somebody else's hand goes for the same shrimp tail and you make eye contact. There is nobody else near you and it is the speaker. <laughs> he said, what do you say to him or her? You say, great speech. Yeah. He goes, because we live in a polite society. You're not going to say, wow, you were highly mediocre for an hour. <laughs> and, and I've told this story to a ton of people and they say, oh, I'm totally honest. I would never say great speech if I didn't think it was great. And I say, well, what would you say? And they go, I'd pick out that one part. And I would say, I love the story about your sister. And I said, great. Do you know what they hear? Great speech. Great speech. Yeah. And so Jim told me there's a lot of people out there who think they're really good because audiences tell them that was good. And I go, well, what do I want them to say to me? And he said, you want them to say any derivative that can be translated back to what else can you do for me? 
He goes, if they say, do you have a book? I'd like to buy your book. Or would that speech work for lawyers? I'd love to bring you into my firm. Or uh, could I take you to coffee and pick your brain? Because you don't go up to people who are highly mediocre and go, I'd love to chat with you more. (laughs) Can I set up a Skype call to talk to you, even if it's for free? So anything that can be translated to what else can you do for me translates to, wow, you were really good. And that's how I sort of built my career is if somebody said great speech, I, I took the compliment and said, thank you. But if they said something that was what else can you do for me, even if it never happened, like if they're like, can I have your card? I want to bring you into my company. Even if it never happens, you don't say that to somebody who sucks. Right, exactly. That's that's great advice from Jim Pancero. And I have to point out to your audience, you are my Jim Pancero because uh-huh. the first uh, NSA conference I ever attended, you did that to me. And you took me around, you took me under your wing, and I still am eternally grateful. Well, and I definitely think that that's one great thing about the National Speakers Association is, is people are very <laughs> welcoming. And every now and then I meet somebody who says, I didn't have a good time. Nobody talked to me. People were rude. I'm like, go back, find somebody new. Uh, because I don't think I could have built this business without it. Agreed. Yep. So, Agreed. So you started getting those, what else can you do for me, comments. So then what did you do? How did you double down? Once you knew, hmm, this is more than great speech. This is, this is marketable. How, how, did you, how did you take your next steps? Well, then I, I realized I had to become like a, a real official speaker with the fancy website and the good video video is more is probably the most important thing because a meeting planner is not going to stick their neck out to hire you and pay you and put you on their stage if they don't know what you look and sound like on stage and that you don't suck (laughs) so the video is the most important thing and that's also the key to getting paid to speak going back to the earlier question getting paid to speak, you've got to have the foundation um, that will lead a planner to go, this person is worth being on my stage. This is this is worth my budget. It's worth the risk because every planner um, takes a risk when they hire you. So that's what I want to get into here is sort of what the planners are thinking and secretly thinking and not telling speakers. But first, before we dive into sort of the meat of your new book, first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right training, equipment, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Shana Suko. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know some of you out there do, because everybody seems to be starting a podcast, come on in. The water's warm, but don't do it alone. Jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So, Shauna, your book is called, Frankly Speaking, Insider Advice That Most Meeting Planners Won't Share With Speakers. So, clearly... You've got some behind-the-scenes knowledge because you lived there for 20 years, and you've got three buddies who joined you in writing this book. So what? let's start off with this. What do you wish you knew when you became a speaker, even even having been a planner? What do you wish you knew that you didn't know? Oh, my goodness. So many, (laughs) so many things. Uh, 
I wish I would have known. This is scary. Wait, wait, wait. This is scary. You were a planner and you didn't know these things. How do the rest of us even get started? Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, uh, I wish I would have known how to market myself better. And I... I wish I would have known how to differentiate myself rather than try to be like everybody else. I tried, okay, I'm, I'm going to help salespeople. I'm going to try to be like my favorite sales speaker that I've seen. And rather than try to be more like her, I should have been trying to be more like me. Mm. And uh, just so differentiating yourself at a time where that's scary because you want to appear like you're one of the big kids but um, you've, that's exactly when you need to not do that. And you need to stand out and be more of yourself. I wish I would have known that back then. It would have saved me literally three years of, of um, imposter syndrome. And I think a lot of us go through that. I mean, I've been doing this longer than most people. I mean, even at just a decade, I've been doing it a long time. And I recently was the master of ceremonies for a big event for the uh, uh, the American Public Works Association. So this is like a four or five thousand person conference. Uh, wow. each, each of their morning sessions, they have a couple thousand people who attend. It's city workers and people who take care of the bridges and tunnels and remove your snow and keep your city running smoothly. And they're super nice. So, so uh, salt of the earth people, but they're also there. You know, they're there to learn, but they're there to be entertained. And last year I was their opening speaker and the master of ceremonies, which is my favorite thing to do is to open a conference and then stay with them for four days. But they wanted me back, but you can't have the same keynote. So this year they asked me to be the master of ceremonies the whole time. And when it was over, both the show producer and my client said, you were better than last year. They said, you wow. were you were just more. And, and they go, obviously, we thought you were great. We invited you back. But they they decided in conversation with me, it's because I started doing stand-up comedy four months ago and have done like 21 open mic, 22 open mic nights. They wow. Said, they said, you know, they go, I think, even though I wasn't doing stand-up, I wasn't doing comedy in the on their stage, they said you were just more free to play. And they both agreed. They said it was really noticeable. And I thought, my God, I'm 52 years old and I'm just getting comfortable in my own skin. You know, <laughs> right. That's scary. But I think it's true. What you said is a lot of us go in and we want to put on that face. We want to be speaker man or speaker mm-hmm. woman instead of just getting up and saying, I, I can do this. Right. Right. And really just um, embracing your own differentiators, your own weirdness, your own playfulness, if that's who you are, you know, and becoming more of yourself and letting that really shine rather than bottling that up, putting that away to be more like what you think you need to be to be a professional speaker. So that was a huge lesson. So earlier you said something and I wrote, wrote it down in the margins about uh, getting noticed by meeting planners. And that's something that I think we all struggle with if we're not famous or we're not sort of the person that the bureaus all already know. And, you know, the person who's sort of top of mind. So what's an important thing that a speaker can do to actually get noticed? How do you even, you know, it's great. You have to have a good video and you have to do good on stage and you have to be nice. And, but really, how do you even show up on the short list? Yeah, that's tough. Um, there are calls for speakers. In fact, I, I recommend every aspiring speaker or, or even established speaker set up a Google alert for the phrase call for speakers. Um, now, those are hard to stand out, especially if you're busy trying to be like everybody else. But they're a place to start to, to submit and get noticed. But you really need to make sure that your title 
and your description of your session are very sexy, very going to stick. They're very noticeable, different from everybody else's. So people go, oh, that sounds really interesting because as a planner, when I plan a conference, let's say for commercial real estate people for 20 years, it's the same stuff year after year. I'm bored with it. The audience has to be bored with it. So how can you repackage it in such a way where they're, they're getting what they need to hear, but it's delivered, it sounds different, it's, the, you know, it's engaging the audience differently. How are you different? And then also, your, uh, I always recommend if there's some way that you can make your speech applicable to meeting professionals that you um, reach out to the various chapters of, say, Meeting Professionals International or PCMA, Professional Conference Managers Association, and try to get in to speak at one of their monthly chapter meetings, which pay, you know, not at all to very little. That's the range. Um, <laughs> but that's the best place to start to get other meeting planners to notice you, to get them to come up afterward and say, hey, would you be right for my audience of, of lawyers? So, so your book is great because it's a conversation between the four of you and sort of transcribed with obviously some other tips and points along the way. But you've broken it up into three sections. And right now we're kind of in that first section. We're talking about how do you even get the gig? So, mm -hmm. you know, you talk about just getting yourself out there. But an another thing that comes up, you know, you talk about in the book is how do you even set that fee? You said, oh, those types of groups pay nothing to very little. Well, how do I even know where to start? Well, when I am pitching one of those groups, like when you're when you're getting started and you're pitching one of those groups, I always like to say my discounted fee for nonprofits is this. And then you set your fee, uh, but always make sure they understand or they hear that your discounted fee for nonprofits is this. And uh, that you only do a couple of those per year is another good way to set yourself apart. But uh, if you are discounting, this is one thing we talk about in, in the book as well. What are you asking for in return that will help you build your business? Yeah, this is really good advice that you have in the book. Go, go a little bit more as to what that means. When you ask for something in return, I, I learned this lesson a long time ago, but when I was reading it in your book, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. So, yes, ask for something in return that's going to help you build your business, such as can they videotape your session so that you have fresh video? They have, if it's meeting professionals, there are people who do this who are sitting in the audience, you know, all the time. So it's, it's an easy ask for them. Or if you don't suck and they do like you, can they refer you to three other chapters or three other, you know, can they send out a blast to all their uh, membership afterward, you know, recapping what you talked about, or can you write something for them? All these different things to keep your name out there, to ask for what you need so that you do turn this into uh, a ripple effect rather than a one-time thing. So the next little section in that, that getting the gig section is about speakers bureaus. And this is like the black arts. I can't figure out to this day how to <laughs> how to get noticed by speakers bureaus. Now, I've, I've been booked by six or eight of them in the last, you know, two years. But, you know, this is hard. And a lot of speakers or a lot of aspiring people who want to go speak, they think, oh, if I could just get a bureau to notice me when I'm brand new and my fee is $9, I'm yes. going to become famous. And that is not the way it works. So talk no, about speakers bureaus. Not at all. 
So speaker, yeah, speaker bureaus are a tough cookie. Um, it was said to me, I'm not going to say it as eloquently. It was said to me when I was, when I was new that speaker bureaus won't notice you when you need them, but when you no longer need them, they'll notice you. And the other thing is I had a, a bureau on a panel that I did recently. And she said, I'm not going to hire you until I've seen you speak. And the audience was like, well, how do you see us speak? You know, it's a huge catch 22. And what she said, which was brilliant, which never occurred to me before, is if you are, you know, even if you're in your own town or if you're traveling to a different town, look and see who the bureaus are that are in town and invite them to come and see you. Offer to buy them coffee, lunch. If you catch them on a good day, they may say yes. No, and I think I think that that is very true. And I also think that, you know, like you said, they, they don't they don't they're not going to pay attention to you until you don't need them. And they also don't want people who have low fees. It's just as hard Correct. to book a speaker at two thousand dollars as it is at 20 and they're getting a percentage. And so, you know, that percentage stays the same. So it's like the bigger dollar of speakers who are working a lot are who they're going to put their focus on. It's just the way it is. And I talk to a lot of newer speakers who get disappointed or angry, and I'm like, I never got disappointed or angry. I just, I wasn't their business model. I'm now starting to become their business model. And along the way, it's it's a matter of it's a matter of discovery. But, but part of that is people still do business with people they know, like, and trust. Yes. The problem is we live in a world where we've changed the definition of the word no, Shauna. I don't know if you've noticed this the last 10 years, but we now think we all know everybody. Somebody is listening to this podcast going, I know Shauna now because I've heard all about her. And so we've changed K-N-O-W from this process of getting to know somebody into a bunch of shortcuts and likes, links, shares, and follows. So I think I know them often is I know of them. And so that, yes. that process of getting to know somebody used to bring likability and trust along the way, or it didn't because you're not going to like everybody. There are people who don't like me and it makes me what? very I, I, shocking. I know it, you know, it makes me sad. I want people to like me, but at the same time, that's about them. You know, they're not, everybody's going to like you, but I think, well, Tom, sometimes I think it's about you. <laughs> well, that's probably true, <laughs> but, but the, but the reality is, is that likability is so important in every yes. business. Why is it important for speakers? And, and are there divas out there? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, tried, I, I tried to do it with a straight face. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, yes, we dedicate. Well, we could have made a whole book just about the divas. And I learned this. A male diva is called a divo. Who knew? Oh. I didn't. Hmm. Yes, but there's a whole. Fortunately, I didn't know that. So no one's ever called me that to my face. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's there's a. Yeah. There's a lot of divas and devos out there who, you know, they get a little success and they become very self-important. And that is your quickest, quickest way to be blackballed by a meeting planner and all her friends because we talk to each other. And uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of that going on. And there are certain speakers who misbehaved, who mistreated my staff or the hotel staff, and I will never have them back because they're just not nice people. Yeah, and it's those things like when you're checking in, I've seen not just speakers, but other people who are well-known, and you notice when they're rude, and then you can't get it out of your mind when you see them on TV later or whatever it is. It's like, oh, they were such a jerk to that flight attendant. Yeah, and they are not the only one that I can hire, believe it or not, as a planner. There are thousands of others 
who would be as good or better. And they've just given me the chance to find that out. Thank you very much. So section two of the book is kind of plays into that. So this is good. You're great at setting up the transition. Section two <laughs> is, is what do you do at the gig? So obviously don't treat people poorly. Don't be a diva or a devo. Don't be a jerk. Uh, what else do you do while you're at the gig that makes the meeting planner feel good about you and build that connection? I, uh, I like to just knowing by the time I get there, this meeting planner and their staff, they've been through hell to set this thing up, especially <laughs> the bigger the conference, but sometimes even the small conferences can be a real pain in there. You know what they've been through hell and they've got to put on a smiley face and they're tired. They're exhausted. They're very stressed about everything going right. I don't want to add to that. So I walk in like a ball of freaking sunshine and I make sure they know they're appreciated even the even the staff that, that I've never met who's working the registration desk, I go and I thank them and I introduce myself. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much. I introduce myself to the AV team. And then from there, I try to be as self-sufficient as possible. I don't want to ask that meeting planner for anything unless I really need them to stop what they're doing, which is a million things, to serve me. Uh, one thing I do, and you mentioned this in the book also, is when I land... I send an email or a text to that meeting planner saying, just letting you know, I have arrived in Chicago or whatever city I'm supposed to be in. Um, and by the That's way, the, the other thing I do the night, but the day before I leave is I go back and look at the contract and I usually look at their website to make sure my flight to Chicago is where the conference is because yeah. I heard a story about five or six years ago and I, I think I have permission to retell it. It was uh, uh, Ruby, uh, the former president of uh, uh, of NSA, Ruby Newell-Legner, and she said she was having a pre-conference call. Now, this wasn't like the day before, but maybe two days before with the meeting planner. And on a whim, she said to her, all right, I'll see you in Palm Springs. And the woman said, Palm Beach. And she goes, oh, of course, that's what I meant. Silly me. Hung up the phone. She had a flight from Denver to Palm Springs that got her in at 10 the night before for an 8 o'clock keynote. She never, under any circumstance, could have gotten to Palm Beach. No. And, no. Yeah. And so she immediately rebooked a flight to Palm Beach and the client didn't know until it was over. And then she told the client. But uh, ever since then, another, so the first thing I do is <laughs> I, I recheck like in the days leading up, am I flying to the right place? Is this yeah. <laughs> based on the contract and their website? Is this really happening in Chicago? Yes. Fundamental. And are you still speaking on the day you think you're speaking? Yeah. Oh, looking at their agenda is really is really important. Like, you know, yeah, uh, like, uh, you know, there's one event that I'm going to be the MC and I'm, I'm speaking. And what was so funny is I was thinking, OK, it's all this work. The second day is just breakouts. There's no general session. And I was like, oh, that's great. But it's like that's like a, I, that's like a day off. It's like there's no, you know, I have to be present as the MC. I have to be at the meals and stuff like that. But I'm I'm thinking, oh, I have this whole morning of stuff. I have to be prepared to be witty and on. And it's like, oh, there is no general session the second day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Um, so, yeah. So checking those things out, but sending that note that says I have arrived. That's huge. And, and so many planners tell me, thank you. Thank you. Thank you yeah, for doing yeah. that. And I'm like, doesn't, ev thing. doesn't everybody do that? No, they don't. And it, it's such a little thing, but it's always in the back of their mind because the longer you've been in the business, that's happened to you. Where a speaker has not shown up 
due to weather or, you know, some sort of accident, like <laughs> Meredith Elliott Powell, I'm sure she won't mind me telling this story. It was the day before her speech in, I think it was Chicago, and I was there, and I was looking forward to seeing her, and we were both speaking there, and she's in North Carolina, and her car struck and killed a bear. Oh. A bear, Tom. Hmm. That's, and so that's she, a big accident. Bears are big. Yeah. And uh, she was, you know, injured minimally, but she was injured and she had to go to the hospital and so forth. So fortunately, they were able to switch the day of her speech. But, you know, things happen. It's life. And so just taking that burden off the planner to let them know you've arrived is is huge. Another good advice, and I don't know if you guys talked about this or not, is if you are going to be traveling like in the winter or you have a tight turn between two events, have a plan B. I often will go to the National Speakers Association site if I'm if like I have the the only way to get from one place to another is the last flight out. Oh yeah. I will actually go and look who lives in that city. So it's like, okay, who do I know who lives in Nashville or within an hour's drive of Nashville? And I sometimes will call them and I'll say, look, there's a one in a million shot. I don't get to Nashville tomorrow, but are you in town? And, you know, just in case. And I always laugh about it and, and things like that. And then, of course, I text them when I land. So it's off the big. But I always have sort of a plan B of either who can go in for me or how else do I get there? What airport is four hours away? You know, yes. If I can't get to Chicago, could I get to St. Louis? If I can get to St. It, Louis and get a car, I can get to Chicago. The two brilliant pieces of advice there, Tom. First, don't take the last flight of the day. Ever. Especially in, you know, if you live where there's weather or you're going where there's weather or you're connecting where there's weather, don't do it. doesn't I, matter the time of year. Well, now there's exceptions. I'm actually doing this. I'm taking a red eye when I speak at spin. And, wow. And it's because I finish at nine o'clock the night before. If it's unavoidable. And, yeah. and the other one was already booked. So I said, I'm the MC. I'm kicking it off. But what Tracy and I talked about was if by chance my flight is delayed and I don't make it, Shauna could kick it off or she could kick it off and I'll just come later. And so what I'm going to do is that next time I'm in an airport like a month before, I'm going to film a video of me running through the airport going, ah, <laughs> I'm supposed to be there. And just in case that red eye is delayed two hours, That's great. you know, the thing can start. And then I show up as the MC and, it, and it's funny, but the other gig was booked when that one came in and it's like, yes. you know, and I'm doing the, the closing keynotes, the more important part, I'll, that's two days later. I'll certainly be there for that. Yeah. But it's and that. we don't, you know, you're not starting first thing in the morning for us. And right. so no, it's like noon. You know, yeah. if you're starting first thing in the morning and it's avoidable, don't take the last flight of the day. But the other thing you said, which is brilliant, is you're solving the problem for the planner before it ever happens. Right. And that's what I'm talking about on site too, is solve the problem be you know, by yourself as much as you can, or work with the A V team to solve whatever issues you have before they become an issue and you have to bring the planner in because you're taking them away from their stress, their 20 things they're doing for what comes after you. And that's the reason I think being active in National Speakers Association or just having a ton of friends who are really good speakers yes. is a savior because it, it could happen to any of us where we get stuck in a blizzard and we can't get there. But if you've got friends who are willing to fill in, even if their fee is higher, you know, yeah, I did that one time. Somebody, uh, there was a speaker speaking to a giant real estate conference in Austin and he got the flu. And oh. like he was like the night before he was throwing up. It was coming out both ends. And uh, he thought I'll be fine by noon. He was doing a lunchtime yeah, keynote. Right. At 1030 in the morning, he called me. He, I live in Austin. And he, I answered my phone. I'm like, hello. And he goes, are you in Austin? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, do you have lunch plans? And I'm like, no, but you sound horrible. 
And he goes, I need someone to speak for me in 90 minutes. And oh I literally got, I was at a Starbucks. I drove home, I threw on a suit, I grabbed, you know, my, my laptop. Uh, I run in the door and I'm like thinking, which PowerPoint can I use from a past speech? And I get there and they're like, oh, we don't use PowerPoints at this conference. And I'm, <gasps> like, and I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And I took a three by five piece of paper, uh, three by five Purple. note card, and I, and I wrote down three points and I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. And I literally 20 minutes after I walked in the door was introduced and delivered a speech and it was great for everybody. It was great for me. The client liked it. The speaker who had me fill in was like, thank God. But that's know, amazing. That was because he knew I lived in Austin. Yeah. And that's that's the other thing for those who aren't members of NSA is we do that for each other. And um, it, it's just something that we're prepared to do because you don't know when you're going to need that done for you. So, yeah, great. That's that's amazing. Uh, that's an amazing story. So the last section of the book is what do you do after the gig? So, so many speakers, they say, thank you very much. And their greatest skill, Shauna, is getting to the airport within 20 minutes after their standing ovation. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> Never to be heard or heard poof. from again. That's right. It's as if they it's as if they threw down that magic thing where it goes poof and a cloud of smoke comes up and they are gone. Yes, exactly. What, what is you and your coworkers have or your co-authors have some advice about what do you do after you say, thank you very much? It's the shortest chapter. It's don't do that. <laughs> do not disappear like a magician. <laughs> well, you know, I've had to do that before as a speaker because I had a really tight turn with the gig oh, yeah. and I called them, let them know up front. And I said, I hate doing this. I, you know, We've I all had to do it. Yeah. You know, but I really, I really try not to do that. But if you have the time and you can stay, I'm not talking make a vacation out of it and stay for a week because we don't like that as planners. But stick around. It's, it's, I think it's more important to come before and really get to know your audience and go to the welcome reception and figure out what little nuances you can then add to your speech to really customize it and mention names. I was talking to Bob last night at the thing and Bob said this and, you know, work that in. Um, but also staying afterward to build those connections. You just spoke to, you know, 500 potential clients or referrers and you're just going to bolt, stick around and ha have lunch and, and, you know, thank the people and, and be with the people and Absolutely. get to know the people. I've found that like, if I, if I have a later day thing and I can't fly back, if I stay, if I go to the bar and I don't mean to be a lush, I mean, if I go hang out where the people are hanging out, yes, there are people from the audience who will come up and go, you were the speaker from today. And they'll come up with questions or they'll want to talk. I find that's where my spinoff business comes from. If I had, if I hadn't been in the bar or hadn't gone to their banquet or their happy hour, the person never would have had the conversation who usually is the person who hires me later. Yes. And the bigger the audience, the truer that is because they can't get to you right after the speech. Mm -hmm. There's too much going on or they've got to run to the breakout session or there's something, you know, and, and you already have a line or whatnot. They can't get to you. They never got your card. They go back to work, to life and think, you know, you're forgotten. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, sticking around is as important as arriving early if you can. So one of the things you talk about in the book is getting referrals from planners. So yes. is that something, do planners talk? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, you know, just for example, the spin, uh, the spin um, member page on Facebook is, is a private discussion group where referrals are happening all the time. And NSA, same thing. Uh, does anybody know? I just got asked for a speaker who speaks on, you know, left-handed 
uh, human resources tricks, you know, and, and so referrals happen all the time amongst planners, just like they do in whatever world the listener happens to be in. And so not being a diva, uh, being self-sufficient on site, being grateful, sending a written thank you note is huge. You don't have to send a big gift, although big gifts are welcome anytime. So one of uh, your co-authors, actually, if I ever work for her, I will send the largest chocolate cake she's ever seen. I, I like wrote it down. Uh, I forget if it's Bonnie or Marilyn, but one of them loves chocolate cake. And if I ever have the pleasure to be their speaker, they can expect like 17 high sheet cake. It will embarrass a wedding cake, how big her chocolate cake would be. Yes. Yeah. And she will be at SpinCon. You will get to meet Marilyn. She she will be there. But, you know, if they mention something little, a story I told in the book was, uh, uh, this male meeting planner hired me and we got to know each other on site. He's very introverted and, and kind of hard to get to know beforehand. So I'm glad I came early. I got to know him on site and uh, he every day wore these cool socks, cool conversation piece socks, not like gray ones. <laughs> and so I knew that about him. And then afterward I went to connect with him on LinkedIn. And I found out he was a history major. I found these socks on Amazon that were heads of, of dead presidents <laughs> on, on colorful socks. And I sent them to him and you know, the thing probably, they probably cost me $10, but man, what a lasting impression. Yeah. So show that you heard them or that you noticed them or that you appreciated them. Um, and, and I'm not kidding when I say really just a handwritten note goes a really long way yeah. and then offer to help them. Um, you know, uh, do you, would you like some speaker recommendations for your next conference or next year? Uh, that's, you know, that's beautiful to help the speaker or to help the planner because, you know, we run out of ideas all the time and you've seen, you've got colleagues, you know, that are good. So yeah, help me out. But then it's a chance to help your colleagues who, who would appreciate those referrals. So absolutely being part of that referral and connection chain is huge for the planner and for you. So I, I know because I have a lot of friends who are planners, but I've also been in this business. Sometimes there's this like divide. You feel like, oh, you know, especially like if you attend like a, a MPI event or something like that, it's like they look at you like, oh, God, he's a speaker. And I like to believe that has nothing to do with me. It's because some of my peers have, you know, screwed the pooch, if you will. It's like yes. they're like, oh, so what are some of the horror stories of things? You know, we talked earlier, I wrote down sell from the stage. What are some of the things speakers do that ruin it for the rest of us and just make planners go, oh, you're a speaker. And then in their mind, they go and they taste the barf in their mouth. <laughs> well, fortunately, you know, it, it's it's there are other categories of people that we work with that are way worse than speakers when it wow. comes to that's the, the best thing I've learned on this thing. I thought we were the worst. No, no, no. You know, speakers with huge egos who look right through you and past you to the person over your shoulder who might be a better connection. I hate that. Uh, you know, and um, the speaker that sells from the stage overtly without permission is gross. Uh, the, um, you know, there's, there's just, there's so much bad behavior. Um, yeah, there, there's, there's so much, there's a whole chapter dedicated to it. <laughs> so Shauna, who is this book really for? Like if someone's listening going, this is interesting, but is this book for me? Who's this book for? This book is for, uh, certainly aspiring speakers 
who who want to get paid to speak or who want to make a profession out of it or a part-time thing to maybe help market another business, um, certainly for them, but also established speakers who know there's got to be a better way than what they're doing. They're, you know, everybody can sh- hang a shingle these days and call themselves a speaker. And there's a lot of competition out there. How do you stand out? How do you market differently in a way that will get noticed today using methods that planners welcome today, not five or 10 years ago? Well, you bring up an interesting thing that the barrier to entry is really low. I had an experience last week that was fascinating, and it was for a local nonprofit. They don't pay a speaker, but it's a lot of really key people in the high tech business. So I kind of wanted to do it. And the guy said, I want to meet you for coffee. And I thought that's so weird that we have to meet for coffee for me to give a speech. And he had gone to my website and he'd looked at it, but he's like, how often, how many times will you speak this year? And I'm like, well, it depends how you label it. Like if I'm the master of ceremonies and the keynote and I do a breakout, that's three speeches at one event. But I count that as three speeches. So I said, it'll be 75, probably 40 some odd different clients, but you know, I'll do that. And he was like, oh, and he warmed up really quick when he heard that I legitimately was doing this. And I said to him, I don't understand why you asked this question. He goes, I run into a lot of people who call themselves speakers who have no business being on my stage. Yes. Yep. And it's a risk. The Part of the planner mentality that I'll let you in on is that planners feel like their job is, is or their client is only as secure as the most recent meeting that they are working on. If they fail, they fail publicly in front of in front of their coworkers, if it's an internal meeting or in front of clients, even worse, if it's an external meeting. And so they're constantly in a state of uncertainty. And so they don't want to stick their neck out for some aspiring speaker who's never spoken anywhere um, unless you are really worth the risk. And so, yeah, we do want to vet those speakers and make sure that you're not going to suck and you're not going to make us look bad to our clients or our boss. So, Shauna, you and Tracy and Bonnie and Marilyn put in a lot of work for this. So I want to give that plug. If, if, if any of this resonated with you, go on to Amazon. Is that the best place to get the book? Is Amazon? Yes. And interestingly, there are, there are a few different books in different genres of the same first two words, frankly speaking. So do frankly speaking dot, dot, dot. Ah, or just put down frankly speaking and then either Suko or Smith or Adams and yeah, you'll probably yeah. find it that way. But but make yeah. sure it's the one it's it's the cover of the book has this little cartoon of uh, looks like a, like a 1920s cartoon with somebody whispering in someone else's ear like I'm going to let you in on the, the secret here. Yes. So yes. is there anything else like if people need a little extra help? Is there anything else that, that you guys do? Do you guys offer any coaching or anything else? Yes. In fact, we are launching a three month membership site that will coach uh, anybody, either aspiring or established speakers that want to up their game. Uh, so yes, uh, go to, uh, shaunasuko.com or send me an email, shauna at shaunasuko.com to find out more. And your dog is a, is a huge supporter of the three month coaching program. I can tell. Yes. Yes. It's going to be very, very cool and full of all kinds of insider secrets, coaching. So is this going to be a group program? Is this individual? Is it a mixture? This is the four of us, and it is group coaching with some one-on-one coaching as well. And we're also going to bring in other planners and interview them. Nice. So it is all the things. So these are going to be like live calls, recorded calls? 
Yes, it's going to be uh, a couple of live calls per month where you can call in and ask your questions in a group format. Uh, There's the one-on-one coaching, and then there will be uh, recorded and live interviews each month for three months. And also, we're going to be offering discounts on all kinds of things that speakers need if you're a member. Nice. I like that. So is that something someone at my level would be able to benefit from, or is that really for the emerging speaker? If you find yourself at a point where you're thinking, you know, um, I really could be more efficient in my prospecting or I want to go to the next level, whatever that is for you, if you're ready for the next level, yes, we have uh, answers for speakers at every level because we've worked with speakers from free all the way up to uh, the highest speaker I paid was $276,000. That's a lot higher than my fee. Yeah, just a tip. That is a that is a big fee. You'll get there. You'll get there. Tom. Well, we'll see. That's I don't know if that's actually my goal to be that famous. <laughs> there's there's a lot of BS yeah. that comes with being that famous. Uh, yeah, or maybe you're notorious at that level. Yeah, you never well, know. Well, that's true. There's some of those out there. So I'll, I'll tell you what. I'm just going to go on the record right here. I'm going to be the first person to sign up. So I'm going to send you an email and find out the information. If you want to speak, uh, if you're anywhere along that spectrum of a speaker, I think these four are really smart and we rarely get the ear of the planner who will tell us the secrets just like the cover of the book i want someone to whisper in my ear what i need to hear so i'll be the first person to sign up for that coaching program you're fantastic awesome so shauna thank you so much for coming back to cool things entrepreneurs do my pleasure uh it's 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 such an honor and i'm going to tell everybody i know to listen to your podcast. Awesome. Well, and again, thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. Uh, whether you're a speaker or not, whether you aspire to go out and do some of this, I think you should check out Shauna and her co-authors and everything that they've written and they've done here and look into that coaching program that they have because I think that uh, I think this is a good product and I wish that I had known this 10 years ago. Uh, I learned a lot of the stuff that's in the book through what they call the School of Hard Knocks. So Shauna, thank you for sharing so openly with others. My pleasure. Thank you, Tom. And again, thanks everybody for tuning in. We're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Shauna. I know you're thinking, how in the world is that possible? (laughs) But it is. Uh, In the meantime, you can find out any information you want about me at TomSinger.com. That's T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R.com. All the information about the podcast, about uh, my speaking, master ceremonies, facilitation, any of the books I've written, etc. It's all there. It's sort of my own personal little hub so uh, i'm on all the social medias you can find that uh just at tom singer in most places or on twitter there's a second account at cool podcast because you are listening to that cool podcast uh jump over and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and tune in again for the next time but in the meantime go out there and have a great Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.